You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 15 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line once again by our social media manager, James Healy. Hello, James. How are you? Not too bad, Ian. How are you? I'm all right. How's how's life in tier three? Yeah, not too bad. It's uh, just staying at home, being a good boy, missing football, but sticking to the rules and hopefully we'll be out of tier three sooner rather than later. There's a wish for Santa Claus there, isn't there? For Christmas this year, I'd like you to take us out of tier three. Uh, that's a bit of a theme on this week's podcast, actually, um, your your Christmas wishes for Santa Claus, um, because um, uh, we're going to launch one of our one of our campaigns, aren't we, Jim? We've we've had more campaigns than Jeremy Corbyn this year, haven't we? We have, yeah. But we're uh, we're launching another one, uh, hopefully today, which is uh, the club shops uh, for Christmas. So we're going to use the hashtag Shop Western League. Uh, so if any clubs want to send us a link to their club shops, we will uh, publicise them for them. Yeah, we, we the club shop isn't just for life; it's for Christmas. Um, and uh, I mean, we, I know we're sort of quite deep into December, but, you know, for those last minute stocking fillers for that football fan in your life, I mean, I think that it's well worth having a bit of a nose. The first port of call should be your local Western League side, just to see whether they are offering any merchandise, because, of course, as we know, the clubs could really do with a bit of extra income um, at the moment. I mean, I've had a bit of a nose round online uh, and uh, I can see that clubs like Corsham and Westbury, Canesham, Plymouth Parkway, there's a surprise. Um, Wells City and Street all offer club shops online. And as Jim said, we will hopefully be bringing you um, more links um, to other club uh, shops. If any other you know, teams are listening to this, we'd be very pleased to hear from you and, and publicise your club shop because uh, it's a nice little present for that football fan in your life. And um, the, hopefully it puts a few quid behind the um, behind the till in the uh, the otherwise empty clubhouse at the moment. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so that's our, our latest campaign there, Shop Western League um, this Christmas. Uh, now, coming up on this week's edition of the podcast, we hear from a couple of journalists. Um, first of all, we hear from Ross Reed. He is, of course, the man behind Southwest Sports News, a very well-known and well-respected um, sports news platform that covers our region. And we'll also be hearing from a, a young man starting out on his journalistic career, um, George Bennett. He's the media officer at Carn Town, and George will be telling us a bit about um, what Carn have got planned uh, and his aspirations for a career in sports journalism. We also got a bit of football um, to talk about as well because we did have a couple of games in the FA Vars and, and James will be, um, will be summarising those shortly. Um, one final announcement to bring you before we get into our first interview on this week's podcast is that next week we don't normally advertise the, uh, the guests that we have on the podcast and, and that's normally because I don't know who they're going to be because um, it's very much driven by the football. But next week we will be hearing from George McCaffrey. Now, George is the Western League's COVID officer. He's also our fixture secretary which makes him the busiest man in the world at the moment. Um, George is the man charged with obviously not only making sure that our clubs remain COVID compliant, but also that the fixtures um, that we have uh, going on uh, at the moment are, are, are scheduled, rescheduled, and we get as many games played as possible. George will be appearing on the, uh, the podcast with me. And if you would like to send in your questions for me to pose to George, uh, if you're involved in the club and you've got some queries about how fixtures are being rearranged, or how clubs are managing with the COVID situation, then please, please get in touch. The reason we're doing this is because one listener did exactly that, Everett Welsh from Odd Down, um, suggested that we get somebody from the league on who could, who could answer listener questions. It's a brilliant idea, and I'm very pleased to say that George McCaffrey, uh, as is his want, has stepped up to the mark straight away. Um, so thank you for that, George. I'll be a reminder about that before the end of the podcast, so get your thinking caps on, listeners, uh, because it would be great to get your questions. Now, one man who, of course, is more used to posing the questions um, than answering is journalist Ross Reed. Um, as I mentioned before, Ross is the man behind the Southwest Sports News website and, of course, their um, very well-publicised um, Twitter feed as well. Of course, Ross and I had a chat about what that platform's all about and, and his use of social media. But I started off by asking him, for a, such an experienced journalist, has he ever known a situation like the one non-league football is facing at this present time? No, not at all. And hopefully never again. Um, 
Yeah, pandemic. It's it's an awful. The word now is you associate it with you know those words COVID and coronavirus, and they're you know they they're quite um, well they're very strong words, aren't they? Because we know they deal with a fatal illness, and um, I don't know if any good comes of it ever, Ian. But it, the, the good that may come of it is that we um, we become socially more responsible and, and and we look after our society in a better way going forward. But no, you, you hit it on the head. The first thing you said, I, I cannot recall. We had the beast from the east, and that was weather. And I thought, I thought it couldn't get much worse that year. Certainly not. You know, it's not a subject that we can joke about. You know, it's it, with the weather. I think you can tend to have a bit of a laugh about it, and it's something we can have some fun about. And, and we'll we'll tell our grandchildren and children about you know the winter that was white white wiped out by by snow and what have you and storms when it's a pandemic there's no joking matter and it's absolutely deadly serious and it's and it's been awful to be honest because obviously a lot of people who are listening to this they'll be they'll be listening and they'll be looking at the coronavirus issue from a sort of a club perspective or a player perspective or a fan perspective and 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 you know in a league official perspective and of course we had the announcement last week that the league will start again uh, its league fixtures uh, on um, on December the 19th. But I mean, looking from a journalistic perspective, non-league football, particularly in the southwest of England, has struggled with the weather historically. And we have received, you know, relatively little support or sympathy from, um, from the organisers of football. But again, going back to sort of the positives that we can take out of this situation, I mean, it does seem... It, this crisis does seem to have brought leagues together. You know, it yeah. seems to have increased empathy from clubs in in tiers, you know, two and three. Obviously, you cover tier one as well. I mean, is that your experience? Yeah, it is very much so. I, I, I think, you know, as I say, there's just, just individually, there's a social. I, I think I personally have a social responsibility, um, just as a, a person, and, and and obviously that's that's to to be as safe as possible as a person. When it comes further than that, in my in my role at Southwest Sports News uh, and or Plymouth Sports News, it, it, it is that that that, that w- the leagues have been amazing. There's, there's no two ways about it. I, I don't think I've looked uh, at leagues in the north and the west, you know, in the east, uh, Wales, wherever you go, and I think communities, communities together, and our community that means yours and mine. Is is for example the Western League or is the Peninsula League? It is the football league and the non-league football. And as you could, so quite rightly said earlier, I cover a lo- load of other sports. Uh, the saddest thing has been the drop-off in, in in other team sports, where of course they're not playing, they're not going to games, and they're not doing anything. Non-league football has 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 made great strides in the fact that it realizes. Hold on a sec. We are playing. We're in a fortunate position. And, and and we are playing and we have got this amazing social network and, and that has been amazing for me to see. It's no secret that um, at the turn of the year, I don't mind telling you that our, our impressions a month on the Twitter feed are about a million and they've gone up to two and a half million, three million now. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. And, 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 and I think I spoke to you before the interview about this weekend was in, uh, another example of that where the FA Vars was being played. I think one, one or two trophy games, but certainly one effect in our area at Swindon Supermarine. But it is that camaraderie. And what has come to the fore for me, specifically because I'm on, the, on your podcast, is the non-league football fan has been incredible. And so have those clubs. So the thing is, the enlightenment, the, the, the good that it has brought. And I said earlier, there's no joking about how serious the pandemic's been. But the good that has come of it has been that closeness and, and, and a renewed sort of, shall I call it vigour? You know, everyone wants to see football being played. Everyone wants to get back with their mates. And, and I thought the league itself was fantastic when you, you did your Think of a Fan campaign. I, I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. So there's no football being played. But you guys at, at your end, uh, yourself and Jim Healy and, and, and the, the Western League as a whole, uh, really got hold of that and, and made you st- it made me think I started thinking well yeah they're right if we're not going to a game on a Saturday I'm not seeing old Bill or old John or Fred or whoever and the people I normally see on the touchline 
and 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 that that you know I, I, what I love about something like that is is a knock on and the spin on effect and, and the positive effect that, that that can have going forward. I think you know I, after that I became heavily involved with Bristol Mind, and I, and now that's had another knock on effect because locally we're looking to collaborate as a media partner with a, a local food bank and see what we can do there. Fantastic stories that have sort of come out of the negatives from the coronavirus. I mean, that, that the relationship that you were able to help us start with with Bristol Mind has been has been a fantastic opportunity. And um, you know, we've we've got examples of clubs in the Western League. I was at Radstock not that long ago, and they were making a collection um, for for their local food bank. So I mean, it is there's some there's some great some great stories um, coming out of this, but not necessarily for months on end. We didn't actually have any sporting stories, did we? So what on earth, what on earth did you do to keep busy um, um, during, well, during the first lockdown, let alone the second one? During the first lockdown, it was very strange. And, and the pattern was followed uh, almost in microcosm in the second lockdown. But the, the first lockdown, the first week, I was probably like everybody else. I sat here thinking, what the hell am I going to do? what's going to happen and my wife came in and said well you know you've got nothing to do now you can paint the house because there's no sport to report on and there's there's nothing to tweet about so you can come away from the laptop and get on with housework and i must say for the first week i I don't know about you ian but i think we're all numbed and we're all in a bit of shock and then it the amazing thing was was twitter which i'm a great champion of i think it's an amazing free way to promote things and communicate and stay part of a community and socialize you can't have a full-on conversation no but you can uh, plant seeds as i said as you did with think of a fan so um uh, or as your league did so what i did then was I, I sat back and i looked at my twitter feed and thought well you know all my mates as it were weren't getting hold of me and what should we do and I just thought the other way around. I thought, well, now is more important than ever to keep going. So there are newspapers stopping and there are radio stations, you know, dropping sport quite so heavily. They were still concentrating on a weeny bit of sport, but not so much. And I actually thought the total opposite. I, I don't know whether I'm pig-headed or not, and only my friends would be able to tell me that. But I actually thought now is a prime time. I must not go away. I must be here more often than ever for those clubs who want to contact me to sort of basically say, well, what's going on? What are we going to do next? And can you help us, Ross? And vice versa. I was then saying to them, well, can I help you in any way? And and, and I saw all sorts of incredible things. One thing that sticks in the mind, and it's not a football thing, but was that it was a bake-off that various golf clubs got involved in. And that spread from golf clubs, then to football clubs, then to rugby clubs. And then you saw amazing stories coming out, um, rugby and football clubs who were helping in their community. And of course, if I, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, Ian, because I, I want to be humble. But the one thing I would say is if I didn't carry on with Southwest Sports News and we didn't have an audience and people didn't know they could go to the Twitter feed and see it or the website, that they wouldn't realise what was going on around them in their community and for other sports clubs to feed off that. And I saw amazing acts of kindness from, from, from community sports clubs. Absolutely amazing. Because I have this belief, wrongly or rightly, I believe that all community sports clubs, whether they're football, hockey, rugby, whatever, I believe those clubs, you know, um, when you go to them, they are a community hub. I'm hoping that it, over the next few years, organically, it turns around that, they realise that, that it's not only about inviting fans in, but it's also what they can do outwardly for their community. And I, and I saw, you know, again, I, I think you follow my Twitter feed and you know that I'm a positive person. And I'm often asked um, spiritually if I'm a Christian because, you know, where does all this goodness and kindness come from? But I just think it's a natural human condition. I, I, I'm horrified when I think that people don't think that. So... Community-wise, I, I would love to think that all clubs, you know, help their local food bank going forward. And, you know, food poverty, we, we now, you know, we all know about food poverty. We say it, but do we really stop and think about it? And, and, and I think it has brought an awareness of that, not just Marcus Rashford's campaign. It's all very well to sort of jump on those sort of things. 
and, and, and almost accept that food poverty is a part of life. Well, it shouldn't be. And um, if every Western League football club and if every rugby club had a food bank donation, little a little corner just to put food in for their local food bank, as you said at last amazing, absolutely amazing. So let's. I've probably gone off from what you asked me, but let's get around to like doing as much good as we can for our communities, um, you know, in whatever way we can. Oh, and you asked about the pandemic. That's well, there you go. That is how it made me think. It was a whole new way of thinking that I had to be even kinder and, and think about other people being kinder and also pass on the goodness that other people were doing to inspire other people. So I have this core belief that if you're negative, then those conversations will be negative and they go downwards. If you're positive and continually positive, those conversations will be, be positive and lift people. And that's my intention. So let's talk a bit about Southwest Sports News then. I mean, you, you, certainly your Twitter profile is, is incredibly, um, incredibly high. And, and, and it would know, be interesting perhaps to hear about some of the statistics because, of course, if our clubs can engage with you online, then they obviously get the benefit of that huge audience that you've generated over the years. But you don't just talk about um, um, football, non-league football. Um, you, you cover a whole range of sports, don't you? I do indeed. It, again, it's because... I believe that, you know, another core belief is that I would want as many people to get the joy from sport that I've, I've been a, I'm, I'm 60 now and I've been a, a, a sports journalist, sports in brackets, because I was a news reporter at first, I've been a sport at the centre for 42 years. So the one thing that's taught me is how wonderful it is being, having sport in your life, whether it's running, whether it's watching football, whether it's playing football, hockey, rugby. I'm afraid I'm one of those. I was never very good at any sport in particular, but I loved playing every sport I ever played. And equally, as I've got older, I've enjoyed watching, you know, my sons and my daughters. Um, well, sorry, my daughter and my son. I've watched, loved watching them partake in sport. So, Again, I have set children as well who are very sporty. So sport, sport essentially has given me a lot. And the, the reason Southwest Sports News started back in 2008 was to give something back to the community that had given so much to me. And that's why I'll always keep it free as well. I, I like the idea of Twitter being free. And what I do, you know, the, it, the, the website will always be free as well. You know, free to visit. I can't see a day where... People have said, why don't you charge for it? You can make a lot of money. But my intention is not to make a lot of money. My intention is to spread the good word of sport. I mean, maybe I'm an evangelist. <laughs> but what, um, so what, what sports and what's, what's the geography that you, that you cover? I'm based in Plymouth, which, as I told you before, is quite amusing. A lot of people think I'm based in Bristol, but I'm based just outside of Plymouth in a, in a, in a little hamlet called Cornflip, which is lovely, um, quite rural. But still suburban. So, um, so I cover from the tip of Cornwall right the way up to the top of Gloucestershire, down to Dorset, and now we've got some Hampshire teams from us. We have teams from Berkshire, Oxfordshire, um, because they've seen what we're doing. And I also cover South Wales. And again, that I believe in in things happening organically and and almost accidentally. Um, so the reason I covered, I. Used, I started Southwest Sports News because I had mates, basically, who berated me for the lack of coverage of their sport in local newspapers, uh, mainly grassroots sport. So I then thought, well, what can I do about this? And I was very fortunate that I had a pal who I worked with who said, look, I'll knock you up a website and you can start putting out, you know, hockey results and non-league results and things you think that people will be interested in. And it's grown from there. Um, Fortunately, stroke unfortunately, one of those spin-offs was that um, I've always been a big hockey fan and my, my friends and relatives, uh, family in South Wales, they sort of said, well, you're not going to leave us out, are you? Because SW stands for South Wales as well as South West. So that's where the name came from, really, SW Sports News. The area, as I say, geographically, the area is basically all of South West England and, you know, the bottom of South Wales and around South Wales, really. Primarily that, I would always hold my hand up, that's primarily for hockey and rugby. We don't get many football followers from South Wales, um, but we do get lots of non-league fans from literally across the world now, you know, not just the 
this country. It's we have amazing followers. You know, people from Poland follow because they're so interested in our non-league scene. So it's it's fascinating to see, and as I say, fascinating for for the organic growth to continue. I don't I don't want to push it anywhere in particular, to be honest. I mean, my experience is that football can be quite tribal. Um, and whether we're talking about, say, the Western League um, and coming up against um, and the, the Peninsula League, um, you know, on and off the pitch, not necessarily just in sort of vast competitions, but, you know, we, 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 we get very um, tribal, as I say, about, about our clubs and about our league and, and about our game. But actually, I, you know, one of the benefits, I think, from a platform like yours is that actually there's a great opportunity to learn from what's going on in other parts uh, of the country and I know some 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 clubs uh, uh, you know have been very quick to engage with you and I think that they've seen benefits from that I mean you know what do you what do you think the great benefits are really of of, of, of sharing content and and being a presence on social media Twitter as I said earlier is free so it's it's a free way of connecting with so many more people than you could if you for example, you know, I'm all for sticking, I love the old football posters that you used to see. I'm all for that. And, and outside your ground, putting up, you know, I don't know, whoever, Hallener at home to Old and Abertonians in the League Cup this Tuesday. So we start with that. That's great. But then you think, well, hold on, there's a lot of teams in Bristol and there's a lot of other League Cup games. Well, why don't we take that step further? So then... That's where social media can come into its own because it's all very well telling your local community. But as I said, there's so many ground hoppers now. And I think they've come out and come out of the wood through the pandemic. They have. Football, I think you you're right, it's, it's been tainted with this tribalism. And, and I don't understand that. I'm a I'm left-wing, I'm a socialist. I think I just want better for fellow men and, and fellow leagues and fellow teams. So it's a bit like that. That, that scenario that I go to and somebody says to me, maybe it's because I've always done that as a journalist. I've gone to games and I've always had to be impartial, really. So um, locally, we've got Parkway, as you know, roaring away at the top of the Western League. But if I was to write a match report about Parkway playing, you know, somebody like, say, Devizes, who unfortunately at the bottom of the first division at the moment, I, I would hope that I was impartial when I went to that game and... Yeah, I might have a you know a warm feeling for Parkway because they've done great things to put Plymouth on the map in a non-league football sense, but equally for Devizes. So that's how it works, you know. So going back to what you said about because Twitter's a free tool, it shouts so loudly at me that that is an amazing way to promote something because it's free. You're not paying for an advert in the local newspaper. You're not paying for something on the radio station. or but It's free. So all you have to do is set up Twitter and you, you, you're away with it. And, and I think that the proof of the pudding is in the eating, Ian. And, and what I could tell you is that my website started in 2008 and it wasn't until 2010 everything exploded for me in the sense that um, a good friend of mine introduced me to Twitter. He's now he's head of communications at Exeter Chiefs, Mark Stevens. And he showed me how Twitter worked and he said, go on, get going on it. And that was back in 2010. And I think now I'm followed by literally thousands of community sports clubs because they all see the benefit of it. And, and I like the, the idea of joining up the dots as in, you know, there might be a netball club, say, in... in in Wiltshire, um, who learns something from a cricket club or a football club down in West Cornwall. You know, it's, it's, it's about passing on, you know, good practice, basically. So, you know, oh, how did they do that? How did they go from getting 50 people into their game to 100 people? Oh, they used Twitter because they did, you know, every, every Wednesday they would say, don't forget we've got a game on Saturday. Some people again on Thursday with two tweets and three tweets on Friday. Don't forget tomorrow, three o'clock kickoff at team x and you're away and I, and it's that simple it really is that simple and i heard a really great interview you did with with mike paris the other week um on the podcast and a lot of what he said you know you both talked about setting up twitter and i'd advise anyone who listens to this to go back and listen to that podcast because there's 
I loved listening to it and, and, and I learned things from it. And again, if we're not here to learn, you know, I'd try and learn something every day. And if, and I'm 60, if we're not trying to learn all the time, then what's the point? Now, just before I let you go, there's one question I always ask the new managers that I interview on the Western League podcast. I always ask them about their footballing journey to the dugout. Now, I can't really do that. Um, that wouldn't, doesn't really work with you. But I do. I am. I am. Um, I'm, I'm, perhaps can you tell us a little bit about your journalistic journey to the newsroom? Yeah, absolutely. So I, 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 I was a, I was told way back when by my school um, career. Uh, person uh, I, I had not a hope in hell of being a journalist so that that was that was how my career started because somebody tells me I can't do something then I literally did <laughs> as I said pig-headed I decided I would do something so I I very fortunately got on the mirror group training scheme I trained for some years in top Ness where I covered local sport and that's where my love of grassroots sport began um, and I went from Totnes to Tavistock. And as you now know, even to this day, Tavistock have a very good football team. I played for Tavistock for a bit. I played at Buckfast Lee. So I was, I was a young man. If you can imagine, I'm not that 60-year-old that guy that I am now. I was a, a sort of late teen, early 20s. So I was playing a lot of sport as well and, and to quite a good standard. So that was nice. And then I had a fortunate sort of break. I, I was also told by the Mirror Group, sort of training scheme that I wasn't that great um but I love sport so um I applied for a job at the Western Morning News as, as a sports reporter and started covering the Western League believe it or not as a 24 25 year old I think I was mid-20s anyway so that shows you how long I've been covering the Western League and from there it blossomed I, I um I decided I, I became sports editor of that paper at quite a young age 26 and by the time I was about 30, I decided to go freelance. I, I was like, sort of being my own boss, really. So, um, or I wanted to find out more about myself just as much as anything else. So I went freelance in 1991. And the rest, as they say, is history. I, I worked for the Press Association covering football matches at league grounds at Bristol City and, um, you know, Exeter City, Torquay, Plymouth Argyle. So I... That way, I've been very fortunate. I, I've covered Argyle now for 42 seasons for various national newspapers and what have you. And one of the best things that probably led, we talked about it earlier, you and I off air, but one of the things that led to Southwest Sports News was when I, um, I actually spent 17 years working for Teletext, ITV Teletext, as their regional sportsman. And it was from there, when that stopped, I thought, well, now we've got websites and now we've got the internet. Wouldn't it be great to put it on a website, you know, have regional sport on a website so people could pop along to a website every day and say, what's going on in our region? Just to give you one, uh, give, give you the final word, Ross, um, just in case there's anybody listening to this who hasn't come across you on social media or hasn't come across your website, where, where can the listeners find you? They can find the website quite easily. It's it's quite a mouthful, but it's southwestsportsnews.com. Um, maybe James and I could have a, a word and maybe we could get a link on each other's websites um, so they can find that. Um, and on Twitter, they can find me at SW, well, it's Southwest Sports News. It's SW Sports News. And the important thing there is it's SW Sports with an S and News with an S. And that's on Twitter. If they, if they follow the uh, Tool Station Western League uh, uh, Twitter feed, they'll find me because James Healy's brilliant. Uh, I was giving me a mention here and there. And, and of course, all the clubs, again, they're fantastic. The clubs in your league are amazing. Um, the, the relationship I have with them is, 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 is extra special because they'll let me know when games are off and games are on and their team lineups and their scores. It, it's, it's, to anyone not on Twitter... If you're a football fan, highly recommended. Excellent, Ross. Thank you very much indeed for your time. And um, hopefully we'll get a chance to catch up again in the not too distant future where we can talk a bit more about football and a little bit less about um, global virus pandemics. That would be lovely. And can I wish all, all of your officials at the Western League, uh, my mate Mike Parrish, uh, Kevin Marriott and 
and yourself and James a very merry and peaceful Christmas. And my thanks to Ross for his time. Now, moving into those FA Vars games and an all-tool station affair, Jim. Tavistock were at home to First Division Cheddar. Cheddar, of course, we talked about them on the podcast last week. They did really well to progress in this competition. Um, They were at home on that occasion, of course, the victors over Ashton and Batwell. But Tavistock away is a much more difficult prospect, isn't it? It is, and it certainly proved that for for Cheddar. Uh, Falling to a 6-1 defeat, unfortunately, for them. But... uh, a good result for Tavistock. Uh, they went in 2-0 at halftime with uh, two goals from Liam Prynne. Uh, and then he completed his hat-trick early in the second half uh, before uh, Jordan and Nier made it 4-0. Uh, but Cheddar did get a goal back to make it 4-1, thanks to Robbie Maggs. Um, Cheddar's Twitter feed said that the ball actually uh, come off his backside, but uh, you, you take anything, look in the book, it says it's a goal. So They all uh, count. That was all right. They, they do all count. Anir added another to make it 5-1 uh, and then a late goal from uh, Talon Burns completed the score and to send Tavistock through and uh, complete the 6-1 win for them. Yeah, plenty of um, FA Vars action for um, uh, for Tavistock of late. Um, they're in FA Vars action again on um, on Saturday, Saturday the 19th. Of course, that win over Cheddar has booked them a visit to Buckland Athletic. So that's a big Devon derby, another all-tool station uh, affair in the FA Vars third round. Um, so that'll be a fascinating one to see how that one plays out. We did have one other game, didn't we, Jim? Um, Cribs um, travelled to, to Christchurch and we were we were really hopeful, weren't we, that, that, that Cribs would be able to get through this tie. Yeah, they're on a good run, Cribs, as well. So it's a little dis- I think they feel a little bit disappointed with a, a 2-1 defeat. Um, yeah, they, they fell behind after about 10 minutes, uh, but they hit back when uh, Ross McElain headed Cribs level and the scores remained 1-1 and looked like uh, looked like it may go to extra time. But with five minutes to go, sub Will Fletcher pounced on the loose ball to send uh, the Dorset side through um, in front of a healthy 144 fans. I read... Uh, read on the internet, which is good. Yeah, well, um, Cribs will be able to focus um, their attention on uh, on league matters now, um, and hopefully their good league form will continue for them. If you're thinking, Toolstation, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now, moving on to our second interview of uh, of the podcast, we hear from George Bennett. George is a student at Gloucestershire University. Uh, he's also the media manager at Khan Town and of course Khan as we know for the last couple of seasons have very much been a been a side on the up so it's an exciting time to be a Khan fan let alone involved in uh, in their marketing and communications team anyway i uh, i started my interview with george by asking him about his role at Khan Town football club ben approached me because locally i've been known to be doing a um sports journalism course at the university of gloucestershire and said that an opportunity was available um, to help the club out. And I just thought it would be a great opportunity to get involved. Um, it initially started with controlling the media and getting people involved. So things such as uh, recording highlights and getting some written content out for the club, such as matchbooks. And then I've tried to add things in, such as writing features with the players. Um, making compilations for the players, um, for the, you know, the best clips, uh, and just really try, trying to get their name out there and, um, yeah, get count on the map. Is it very much social media-based, what you're doing, or have you been able to interact at all with the local newspapers and other media outlets? So, yeah, it's just a gradual process of trying to do one thing at a time. So I think now we've sort of mastered the highlights um, and the written content. We've obviously created the Countdown Fan Zone page, which has been really successful, and created a lot of interaction among the fans, which is really important. I mean, you mentioned that you're doing a, a sports journalism course at the University of Gloucestershire. Is the work that you're doing with Khan sort of consistent with the type of um, work that you get set for your, uh, for your academic studies? I mean, does, it, does, it, does the work that you're doing at the moment for Khan help 
count towards your courses? Definitely. It's been a great opportunity to cut my teeth on. Um, a lot of practice on things that I am doing at uni and that are part and parcel of, of the type of things that I'll be doing in the industry in the future too. Um, definitely put myself out of my comfort zone a lot. Written work has always been my, my main strength, but things such as presenting and editing and, and recording, you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying my hand at everything, which is a really useful experience to have. Um, and with it being a non-league club, I think there's more sort of room for maybe making the odd mistake. So you're not working under maybe a pressurised environment as you would at a professional club. So it's it's been a great opportunity for me um, and it's been extremely useful. And I think I'll take a lot of the things that I've learned in, into the future. So you mentioned that um, Ben Redford approached you um... Uh, recently how long have you been helping out Khan with their with their social media I mean is it this is it is this your first season it's my first season but Ben approached me probably about a year and a half ago just to talk about it and say you know the opportunity is always there if if you ever want to get involved with the club and then I did a couple of previews just to sort of give the club a bit of exposure and 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 get some experience with interviewing um, managers and and people at the club um, and then yeah saw a promotion that they were looking for a media manager and although I was initially skeptical because at the time it may take out of my schedule um, I'm really glad that I've taken the role. I, I think that this is a bit of a um, this is a very strong time for uh, social media in in the Western League and I hope it I hope it goes from strength to strength. Have you been inspired at all by the things that you've seen other clubs do um, uh, with their social media? I think Wiltshire in particular is incredibly well served um, by um, by clubs that use um, Twitter and you, YouTube incredibly effectively to promote their teams. Definitely, I think more than ever now um, there are lots of clubs getting involved with that side of things. Obviously, Corsham and Warminster being the most notable examples, and obviously. Uh, the Plymouth Parkway documentary, which was put out the other day, was fantastic. So it's good to have that type of competition. Um, the fact now that there is more media presence than ever is only a good thing for non-league football, so long may it continue. I mean, have you seen a reaction? Obviously, you've only been doing it for a short period of time, but you've mentioned you've been doing player features and things like that. Have you seen a reaction to the content that you've been putting out? Is you know, are the club and, and the, the players and the supporters, are they, are they buying into what you're trying to do? I think initially, I think the, the main thing is sometimes uh, some people may feel that some of the stuff we're doing because it's only non-league football is maybe slightly dramatic, but obviously it's good to try new things. And um, I think the publicity that it gives these clubs and these players who maybe aren't used to this type of thing, I think initially it was kind of, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe they were sceptical of it, but I think as time's gone on and I've sort of got my feet under the table, um, they started to understand the benefits of it more than ever. Um, ben was obviously keen on the idea in the first place, but I think Trev has, has become more and more keen on the idea and, and the support that they, they've offered me, along with Blakey, the first team coach, and the players, and also the guys in the reserves, such as Clive and George and, and Aaron Gardner. It's been fantastic, so it's made um, the job much easier. So why Calm Town then? What was it about Khan that made you uh, you want to offer you uh, offer them your services? Well, being my local club, I thought it it would be ideal. Literally just down the road, I knew a lot of the people within the club, so I just thought it would be a fantastic opportunity for me to take. Um, so yeah, being local and and knowing a lot of the people. And, and also just, just to support your local club and, and give them some exposure and give something back to them. So have you been a Calm Town fan all your life? Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that I've been um, the most fanatical of fan. Um, you know, there's been years where maybe I haven't been to a lot of games, but I kind of wish now that I had maybe gone and watched them all when I was younger. Um, but yeah, just making up for lost time now, really, and um, getting to know the club, researching the history, um, getting to understand the people around the place. So yeah, it's been good. Obviously, it's been, a, it's been a, on the pitch. It's been a very exciting time for Calm Town, particularly in the last couple of seasons. They've been very competitive, and um, you know, I know from my own interviews with Ben how difficult it was to cope with the the voiding 
of, of last season. I mean, I was worried, and I've said this to Ben, I was worried that actually the, the side wouldn't be able to recover from such a crushing um, decision, but they have done. And um, so in a way, you, you, you know, you are, you are at the, you know, at the pointy end of, um, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a crazy set of circumstances, you know, with everything that's going on with the coronavirus pandemic, you know, the, the suspensions of the league, you know, fixtures being called off at the last minute because of cases of the virus. But despite all of that, Khan seemed to be finding a way to relive the glories of last season. I mean, it's an incredible story to tell. Definitely. I mean, they lost pretty much three members of their back four. So the fact that they've maintained the defensive record, which was obviously so prominent in the team last season, is fantastic. Obviously, Klatz is between sticks for them now, and he's doing a fantastic job. His form's gone from strength to strength with each game he's played. And they've obviously had Matty Jenkins back, which was another great addition, an experienced Western League player. Brighty, Josh Bright, another fantastic signing. So I think the recruitment and the way that they've replaced players that were key to them last season has, has been crucial to the success of the side at the start of the season. I mean, have you got a feeling for how you think they're going to go this, this, this time round? I mean, results in this league can be extremely unpredictable. So, Cheddar, for example, a team whose form has been patchy at times, can go and travel to them as their bogey side. And they showed up and produced a fantastic performance to win 2-1. So, to put predictions on how the team will finish in the league it is not an easy one. But I think that there's potential for them to definitely challenge for promotion and, and maybe even a title. But yeah, like I say, I think the management will, will sort of say this as well, that take it each game as it comes, um, game by game. But they definitely have the potential to do well this season. Now, I mean, this really is one of the million-dollar questions that we're, we're, you know, everybody in the Western League, particularly in the First Division, are asking because it's such a competitive league. Uh, and with the top four um, being um, eligible for promotion, I mean, who do you think that the, the runners and the riders are going to be? Who are the other sides from such a, a competitive league? Who, who, who caught your eye so far this season? Caution, uh, are probably one of the biggest contenders up there, for sure. Um... I think it's Wincanton have had a fantastic start to the season. So Ashton and Backwell, another side, probably those three for me would be the ones that are 100% in the running at the moment. And let's finish off by having a little bit of a chat about you. Obviously, you're doing this, you know, because you're a, you're a local um, um, fan, but also because of it, because it's consistent with your academic studies. I mean, one day, do you hope that uh, the experience that you gain at Khan will help you develop a professional career in sports journalism? Definitely. Um, a lot of the things that I'm doing now, for example, working within a club, is something that at the beginning of my career I would probably want to go into. So I think this is the ideal experience. I'm doing a lot of the things um, that I would be doing in those roles in, in a professional environment. So like I say, it's been a fantastic opportunity to get involved with the club, uh, make the odd mistake, um, but at the same time learn along, along the way. I mean, there'll be a, hopefully there'll be plenty of people listening to this. Some of whom will be in your position, who perhaps are interested in a career in the media, and 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 they're currently either at university or at college, and think that you know getting involved with their local Western League club could be a a way of doing that. Personally speaking, I would certainly endorse that. But I mean, being involved in uh, being involved with a club in the way that you are, a season is a long time, whether it's delayed by the coronavirus or not, it takes a lot of commitment, doesn't it? As well. So I mean, I, I imagine that that is. That having Khan Town as part of your life at the moment is is quite a commitment, along with your studies. I'm kind of an obsessive as well when it comes to my work. So rather than sort of putting the laptop away and and calling it a day, um, I might spend I don't know hours looking at something new to do and 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 trying to perfect the, the work that I'm doing. So yeah, um, it does take a lot of time, but it's something that I'm willing to do. Um, if there was ever a time where maybe I, I'm not enjoying it as much, then, then I would step back and, and say, look, I'm spending a lot of time on this and, and, and I'm not quite feeling like I'm enjoying it as much as I was. But at the moment, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So therefore, I'm happy to give my time and, and keep working hard to, to improve uh, the media side for Cal. That's excellent, George. And before we let you go, have you got an exclusive for us? Are, are there any features that you're working on and that you're going to be launching? I mean, obviously, we've got, we've got um, the Christmas break coming up now. We've got that 
that blockbuster Wiltshire clash between Carn Town and, you know, arguably the informed team in the Western League devises um, coming up um, on Boxing Day. So, I mean, have you got any, are you working on any, uh, any exciting uh, new features that, w- that we can keep an eye out on? I've had a few ideas. One was Hometown Heroes to sort of look at the history of some of the players that have played for Count over the years. Um, I know that there was a guy called Arthur Tober Weston who played, started his career at Cowan and I've sort of, it's been in the pipeline for about three months. Um, he then went on to play 300, over 300 games for Swindon Town. I think he might be the 19th highest appearance maker for the club. So that would be the, the first feature for, for that series. Um, so that's something that I'm looking at getting going and recording in the new year. Recording's already started um, and, and something that I'll be looking to get out next year. And player compilations is another thing. So I've been speaking to some of the players. I think initially there, there was a fear of sort of doing interviews in front of the camera because um, they're not quite comfortable with it. It's something they haven't done. I think now I've got my feet under the table at the club. Uh, the players are a, li- a little more inclined to get involved with that side of things. So hopefully, yeah, we'll bring out the personality of personalities of some of the players um, and get them in front of the camera for everyone to sort of see what they've got to say. And my thanks to George for his time. Now, Jim, you, of course, as we've discussed on the podcast before, have um, you've had a professional role in um, in football media. You've been involved in both Bristol City and in, in Yeovil Town. How did you um, how did you get into that then? I kind of fell into it, actually. I was quite lucky. Um, I started working at a local newspaper when I left school. And then my boss at the local paper took on the media role at Yeovil. Uh, and when they got promoted from the conference, he phoned me and said, would I be interested in being his assistant at Yeovil? Uh, so when they went into the, it was a nationwide Division Three at the time, I jumped at the chance, obviously being a Yeovil fan. Um, yeah, so that's how I, I kind of fell into it, really. Then uh, went from there. Worked at Yeovil for a few years, left there, went to Screwfix, uh, and then joined Bristol City. Then when Gary Johnson joined Bristol City, uh, I travelled up and joined in 2007 and stayed there till 2012 and then rejoined Yeovil again. So I kind of followed Gary Johnson like a bad smell. <laughs> I mean, I imagine that the, the landscape um, for those types of jobs has changed a lot because not only will clubs have a greater emphasis on the importance of all of their social media content now, which obviously has generated an industry in itself, but of course we've got a lot more students who are targeting that as a career. I mean, by the sounds of it, when you got involved in it, you know, there was that sort of link between journalism and an interest in, in you know, in local football. But I guess it's probably a much more crowded marketplace now than it was then. It is. And that, again, it comes back to our chat a couple of weeks ago about volunteering. If you can get a bit, little bit of experience under your belt at a local local team, and then you've got a portfolio of stuff you're producing, I think that certainly gives you a head start if you were to get to an interview to show that you've, you've got the experience there, because people always want experience as well. So, um, yeah, if you can volunteer, get out into, into a local club and... Uh, get your name out there, show people what you can do. I think that'll definitely help. So that's great advice um, for aspiring journalists out there. But also, I think it's a really interesting lesson for our clubs to learn, isn't it? Because, of course, um, on this season's podcast, we've heard now from George Bennett. We've also heard previously from Mike Parrish, both of whom were students at university who joined a local a non-league club in order to sort of assist their their academic studies but also in the process of being able to give those clubs a huge amount of publicity uh, as well so um, you know it's well worth our clubs are making that effort to approach um, their local colleges and universities just to see if there are people out there who'd be willing um, to to support them with that um, media marketing work. Yeah definitely yeah I mean not even just the social media side of things or websites you've got people who uh, going into filmmaking, uh, want to get into filming. So ideal for filming games and then editing. It's one thing that I I learned when I was at Yeovil was editing videos for the highlights afterwards, uh, and all self-taught. I didn't go to uni or college or anything from that, but I saw that everyone else was producing these highlights. So I thought I need to get in on that. So self-taught video editing again, get the clubs to go into the local. Local colleges, there are people itching to get out and 
get the experience so they've got a portfolio that they can show people and local football is an ideal way to show it. Excellent stuff. Um, James, thank you very much um, for your time, as always. We are hoping that with the resumption of, um, um, of, our, of our league fixtures, that um, the, the, well, the, the, the bulletin will be back um, next week and Tom will be back next week. Um, um, but I appreciate, Jim, your time, particularly in, you know, in, in the lockdown and you know, in, in, in the suspension of fixtures. It's been great um, to be able to catch up with you and obviously hear about the, the social media work that the, the league is doing. And of course, we mustn't forget that latest campaign, um, Shop Western League. For your for your for your Christmas, have uh, have you got have you got anything nice lined up for Mrs. Healy? In, uh, yeah, you know, in but a, she in... listens, so I can't say what it is. As a nice nice pair of Helen cufflinks, perhaps. Yeah, or Helen a, cufflinks or a Sherbourne or a, Town polo shirt or something like that. I'm sure that'll go down a, a nice storm. fleece. Yeah. yeah, very good, very good. I'm sure I, she'll love that. Yeah, I'll. Um, I wonder what I can get Mrs. Knockholds because she doesn't listen, so I can say anything. But lump of coal. There you go. Bar <laughs> humbug. Um, <laughs> um, just before we go then one last reminder that we will have George McCaffrey on next week he is of course our Covid officer and the fixture secretary for the tool station Western League uh, so please get your thinking caps on listeners over the next week send in those questions um, for George you can contact me uh, on Twitter. That's at Ian Knockholds. You can also contact um, um, us through, other, through the Western League account, which of course James runs. And um, and and um, what's that? What's that handle, James? Just so that the listeners it's, know. Yeah, it's TS Western League on Twitter. Because we're we're on Facebook as well, aren't we, James? So that they can yeah, send but, a message to the league through Facebook. Yeah, send it, which is the same same handle, TS Western League. And it's the same on Instagram as well. So we've got the same one, which is TS Western League. And if you want to go old school, then listeners, you can go to the toolstationleague.com website. There is a page there called Contacts. And right down at the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see the smiling face of James Healy. If you click on that smiling face, you can send him an email. Um, so that's, that's fantastic stuff. James, thank you very much for your time uh, on the Toolstation Western League podcast. And have a very Merry Christmas. And to you and to all the listeners. <laughs>